Hello and welcome to A Girl in the Word podcast. I am your host, Kaylee. I'm a blogger, a growth marketing manager, and now I'm a podcast producer, lover of all things coffee, houseplants, and of course, Jesus. And like I said last week, we're going to do something a little different as we go into the month of March. Uh, I kind of want to give you these like 10 to 15 minute episodes instead of my normal 30 to 45 minute ones. And I still am hoping this becomes just kind of like a little fireside chat that we kind of speedily talk through, you know, a particular subject, but obviously ground ourselves in scripture as we do every week. Um, So as you can see, this week's topic is going to be on comparison and covetousness. But before we dive into that, I want to say a quick word of prayer. So wherever you are, if you'll just bow your head or you'll just listen along. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to share this good news of hope that we have in your son, Jesus. Thank you for this podcast and all that you're doing through it and in it, God. May I honor your name and glorify you with every word that I speak. May the Holy Spirit just be present with everyone listening. God, may you just penetrate hearts and open eyes. And I pray that not my words, but yours are what they hear. God, thank you for all that you do and for all of these beautiful people tuning in to to listen to me just ramble on every week. I pray that you bless those who are listening. You speak to them through me, God, and and in your holy, precious name it is. Amen. And we're just going to jump right in because I do want to honor the 15 minutes that I keep quoting. So I think that comparison and covetousness are really just the same side of the same or different sides of the same coin, if you will. On one hand, you kind of have comparison, which is to maybe look at yourself versus other people and you start to compare and contrast, you know, what they have and versus like what you have. And it could be in the form of, you know, body image or possessions or relationships, you name it. But then on the flip side of this coin, you have coveting what it is that they have. And to covet really just means to yearn to have or possess something. And did you know that actually you shall not covet is the 10th commandment? And it it really is a serious sin in the eyes of God. And so here's what I want to do. I want to walk through why coveting is so dangerous for Christians, how it impacts our relationships with others, and then kind of how we can prevent it from taking root in our lives. And then on the flip side of the coin, I want to talk about the danger of comparison and and how we as Christians can stop it kind of dead in its tracks. And I think we can get through this in about 15 minutes or so. I will try and make this as brief as I possibly can, but do know that these two subjects are gravely important to understand and steer clear of as Christians. No one is perfect. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God every single day, but through his grace and his mercy, we can work on this with God and overcome the lies of the enemy, i.e. comparison and covetousness. You feel me? You following along? Are we good to go? I think we are. So I'm going to jump into to coveting. Um, so really we were designed to have desires Um, Some of our desires will stem from our needs. If you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like food, shelter, sleep, etc. And others are going to derive from our wants, like a longing for trends or an excess in material items. And while we can often distinguish the difference between our wants and our needs, both will actually show us that we are not self-sustained or even self-satisfied. 
we absolutely require outside provision. And when that provision arrives, we take pleasure in it, right? And our creator, God, he designed us to have needs and wants so that we might know him better and delight in him as our provider and our sustainer. He obviously didn't create us as robots and instead gave us this beautiful ability to savor and crave things. This part of us, though, is sacred because it's actually what leads us into worship. You see, when your needs are met, we worship the source. Sin, however, corrupts the, our God-given yearnings and makes us believe that our desires can be satisfied apart from the Lord. And because of this, we run after these worldly objects that gratify us just for a moment, but they just leave us feeling empty. And so when we look for fulfillment, you know, apart from the Lord, we sever the relationship between the provider and the provision, and this results in coveting. And so what is coveting and why is it so dangerous? Well, again, we can look back to the Ten Commandments that God tells us not to covet. And when he issued this command, he was actually protecting us from something harmful, not restraining us from something good. God calls us to forsake covetousness, reels us, it, it, it reels us in a little bit, and it dissuades us from running after things that on their own are actually going to disappoint, distract, and destroy. And instead, he calls us to what is truly good, worthy, and satisfying, which is himself. And so we have to understand that coveting is far more fundamental than a simple struggle with materialism. Coveting is a sin that is inextricably tied to our wants. And it's this corruption of what was created in us to be a mechanism to draw us closer to God. Coveting turns our attention from the provider and fixates it on anything of lesser value. It absolutely leads us to believe that we can be satisfied in creation apart from the creator. And so covetousness can also often plant seeds of distrust in us. Um, we can begin to ask questions of God, like, is he really good if he hasn't given me all that I desire? Does he really know what's best for me? And in all of this, we're really just questioning the truths fundamental to our salvation. That is that in Christ, we are made complete, lacking in nothing. Colossians 2.10 says he is our provider and will never leave us in need, Matthew 6, 32 through 33 says. And lastly, in his presence, there is a fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore, as it says in Psalm 16, 11. Our father wants us to know these truths and rely on them. And now you can begin to see this like treachery of covetousness. It's not only dangerous for us, but it's actually offensive to God because covetousness is this full, it's just foolish and it will send us grasping for satisfaction in all of the wrong places. And so how does this then impact our relationship with others? Well, Paul actually tells us that all commandments, including prohibiting coveting, can be summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, as it says in Romans 13, 9. How is it then that there is a connection between coveting and loving your neighbor? Well, we tend to believe that coveting is this isolated problem, right? That it doesn't impact anyone but ourselves. But coveting, like all other sins, disrupts our relationships and our ability to hold people in their proper view. 
And by proper view, I mean Romans 12, 15, which calls us to celebrate one another. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, which tells us to respect the position to which the Lord has called each of us. And lastly, Matthews 25, 21 and 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 tells us to acknowledge that we are merely stewards of resources that belong to the Lord. You see, when we covet, our attention turns from people's um, divine purpose to their possessions or the position that they hold. We then become distracted, right, by everything that they have in their lives. They have their talents, their opportunities, a lot of stuff. And how foolish of us to think that our thoughts don't then go and affect our words and our actions. And if our thoughts are constantly consumed in jealousy or idolatry, our actions and our words are going to be impacted. And this is why Solomon tells us in Proverbs 4.23 to guard our hearts. The heart drives all that we do. Much like pride, covetousness deceives our minds into thinking that we are personally responsible for our own provisioning. It then gives authority to our desires, making us believe that those desires are the best indicator of what we should have or even what we need. And in this way, this is how coveting can actually become the origin origin point for other sins. If you think about it, before we steal, we covet what we want to take. And before someone commits adultery, they're coveting another spouse. You see, covetousness may begin inwardly, but it always manifests in itself outwardly. And so how do we stop it? Well, every sin is a manipulation of what began as good. Many of the things we covet may be of great worth, right? We may desire a talent or an experience. We want a home, a family, a relationship. Each of these things may actually be used unto the glory of the Lord. They are not sinful in and of themselves. Our Father intended all good things to stir our affections for Him and recognizing that they came from His hand, as it talks about in James 1.17. As we enjoy what He has given, we enjoy the giver Himself, right? God. And so the problem becomes when we terminate this gratitude and this adoration upon the thing itself and not upon God. Instead, our enjoyment of good things should draw our hearts to the to worship the source. Yet scripture does make it clear that our worship is not dependent upon our possessions or even our circumstances. We are to be a people with an eternal mindset. We are storing up treasures in heaven like it tells us in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And we are to recognize that this world is just passing away. And only that which is found in the Lord is going to last, as it says in 1 John 2, 17. And so in all of this, we need to be evaluating our desires because they are prone to perversion. They are not to be trusted or pursued without first being kind of filtered through Scripture. Um, when we find ourselves coveting, we need to kind of assess the object of our desire, right? Do we long for it for the sake of our own pleasure? And if so, we need to be weary. Our prayers may well go unanswered if we are asking simply at the behest of our earthly passions, as it says in James 4, 3. And so we were made for more than this world can offer us. Our greatest purpose is to walk in his likeness and make him known. And in his word, we are equipped for every good work. For what is truly important and lasting, we actually have everything that we need. 
And so I'm going to quickly move on to comparison. And Falling in the comparison trap really can begin the second that you roll out of bed, right, in the morning and you just pick up your phone. You're logging into social and um, immediately you're just inundated with these pictures of perfection that kind of drag you straight into this comparison trap, right? You start to feel like your life just doesn't measure up. And the comparison trap is this destructive and deceptive But there's a way to stop comparing yourself to others and begin embracing your God-given identity. But first, what does comparison actually do to us? Well, comparison can destroy your contentment. Think about it. You're no longer happy or satisfied with what you yourself have. Instead, you're trying to recreate the magazine life or the Instagram highlight reel to form this sort of look, right? Many of us have rooms that were maybe inspired by like Chip and Joanna Gaines or or an influencer that we follow on Instagram, but we cannot recreate a life in the same way that we can recreate a room. We can't recreate a ministry the same way that we can recreate an outfit that you put together, um, an outfit that you put together by a fashion influencer. We should and we need to be thankful for the blessings that God has given us. In the same way that you yourself are comparing to others, someone else is doing or praying for what you actually have. And so comparison can imply in some way that God has cheated you out of something or something that someone else has. And this is exactly what bred the murderous jealousy in Cain over his brother Abel. Second is that comparison can kill your confidence. When we start to find confidence in other people's approval rather than God, he created us all for a distinct purpose. And we need to have confidence in that God-given purpose and not compare ourselves to others. And once you give way to the enemy and give him this foothold in your mind, one glance at someone else has you questioning all the things that you have. Lastly, comparison can create a sort of contempt. It can actually make you despise your own blessings. You see, Esau despised his birthright because Jacob had something that he wanted more, and he gave his blessing for momentary satisfaction. And comparing our lives to someone else's can breed contempt and lead to this sinful rebellion. So how do you stop comparing yourselves to others, or how do you not fall into this comparison trap? I'm going to give you four ways real quick. One is to just take everything with a grain of salt. (laughs) Take all that you see on social media with a pinch of salt. Keep in mind that it is a highlight reel. It is not their real lives. It is only what they want you to see. And even the uncurated moments are what they want you to see. Just, Just keep that in mind. Number two is to count your blessings. This may seem simple, but how often do we forget to live a life of gratitude? You see, the enemy has us always comparing ourselves to someone else. Remember to stop and thank God for how he is using you and the individual path that he has you on. Be thankful for where you are and don't try to replicate where he has placed someone else. The third is to read your Bible The best way to stop comparing yourself to others is to get off of Instagram and get in your Bible. 
Read everything that God has to say about you, your value, your worth. It is not in Instagram or even in the thing that you're doing as a career on this earth, but it is determined by God and who he says you are. The last is to pray and repent. If you are seriously struggling in this area, um, I would highly suggest that you take it to God in prayer and just repent of your ways. Ask him to help you to see your purpose and your identity in him. Ask him to help you to see your purpose again so that you can stop comparing yourself to others and their walk. Ask him to forgive you for even thinking that he cheated you somehow and didn't give you all that you deserved. And always remember that you have everything that you need in Jesus Christ. So I went a little bit over of my 15 minutes. Um, I think that that is all. I really pray and I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that you'll continue on this journey with me. Um, If you like these little blurbs, let me know and you want to hear some more. Let me know what you want to hear about. Leave a review and subscribe. It would mean the world to me. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, And also head over to Instagram. Follow along at a girl in the word podcast just to keep up to date. Join the community. Let's have a chat. Let's fellowship with one another. Let's grow in Christ. I've been praying for a lot of people lately, and so I'm really enjoying that aspect of it as well. Um, And so, yeah, look forward to hearing from you. I will see you guys next week. God bless.